filled with harshness and anger. And in the midst of that, Christ followers are called to live and love like Jesus. And so over the next several weeks, we are going to look at uh, just a few of these one another directives, including today's directive, which is to care for one another. In his letters to the early church, the Apostle Paul makes over 30 references to the local church functioning like a body. Just as our complex and intricate bodies need care and attention, so too the church can only be healthy and experience growth when everything is in balance and properly exercised. And so I'm inviting Nan Brooks to come and share today our scripture reading from 1 Corinthians 12, verses 14 through 27. Can you guys hear me? Perfect. 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 47. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow a great honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. With our more presentable parts, do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that they may be no, no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. Thank you, Nan. So when you came in today, hopefully you were handed a puzzle piece to serve as a reminder of how valuable a part of God's picture you are for this church. If you didn't get a puzzle piece, I want you to raise your hand right now because I want everybody to have one of these. Raise your hand. We've got some folks that are going to come and pass those out. Anyone here, Martha? All right. So raise your hands as they're coming around. They'll give you a piece of the puzzle because this is to remind us that we are in this together. Do you know that every snapshot of the church in the New Testament is a group picture? The Apostle Paul stayed in the city of Corinth for about 18 months working through the many problems that were upon that local church. And it's in this setting that he tells them that it's time to get into spiritual shape by doing some bodybuilding, if you will. And his basic point is that we are all linked together like 
pieces of a puzzle. And as such, our linkage means that we're bound to do life together and to care for one another. So I want you to just take a look moment by moment and just keep a hold of that puzzle piece because we're going to walk through four key principles from this passage that are all tied back to that puzzle piece. And the first principle is this. Principle number one, each piece is distinct and yet united with the whole. Though we are one, we are also unique. We see this in verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And that word many carries the idea of abundance, of much. The New Living Translation puts it this way. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. And so unity is good. Diversity is good. If unity, though, is emphasized at the expense of diversity, then all we have is uniformity, and that is not good. And if diversity is emphasized at the expense of unity, then we have anarchy, and that's not good either. And so in the Lord's church, we need to celebrate unity without demanding uniformity. Unity and diversity. Diversity in unity. On December 4th, 2017, 400 musicians gathered at the 23rd Street Armory in Philadelphia to perform the Symphony for a Broken Orchestra by the conductor David Lang. And the orchestra included amateurs and professionals, even members of the the famed Philadelphia Orchestra. The youngest performer was just nine years old, a cellist, and the oldest was an 82-year-old oboist. It might have been the most diverse orchestra in all of America. Now, the interesting thing about this particular performance is that these 400 people brought with them broken instruments. There was a trumpet that was held together with a blue painter's tape. There was a violin that was missing an A string, a bow that had lost most of its hair, a a cello that was carried in 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 multiple pieces. You see, the, the government had cut funding for music programs in the Philadelphia public schools, and so many of the instruments had fallen into disrepair. And so the conductor, Mr. Lang, made something beautiful out of all of these broken instruments, all with a view towards encouraging the community to invest in local music programs. And so as that musical piece opened, many of the instruments were silent. But gradually, they found their voice. While while a broken trumpet might not be capable of a great sound, the keys, at least, could tap a rhythm. The scraping of a bow over the, the silhouette of a violin body added an unusual element. At one point, a cellist made noise by turning one of the stringless pegs on her cello. Some of the musicians struggled, like a a clarinetist who could only get out short spurts of sound and a, a French horn player who kept losing his mouthpiece. But together, together, the orchestra produced a rich harmony. The music was was playful, it was joyous, and as the performance wound down, each section bowed out one by one until all that remained was the humble squeal of one broken clarinet. Well, you see, you see, friends, God's dream is of a church, a church 
with people from all kinds of different backgrounds, different racial backgrounds, rich and poor, laborers and business people, couples and singles, married and divorced, widows and widowers, cops and convicts, students, senior citizens, former addicts, faithful attenders, saints and new believers. God's ideal is that we can all join together and celebrate our designed diversity within biblical unity. And so in the church, each broken instrument adds its own voice to the symphony. You know, the best that that some of us can do is simply a, a, a tap or a squeak. But with each other, the orchestra produces a joyful song of praise under the hands of the director. And that is because God has created us to fit together and to care for one another. Well, let's look at another principle from our text this morning. Principle number two, each piece is indispensable and no one is inferior. In verses 15 and 16, Paul addresses those of us who might feel inferior. He says, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. You see, every part of the human body is designed to work in sync with every other part of the body. A foot may feel less important than a hand, and an ear may feel mediocre compared to an eye. But Paul is establishing the truth that everyone in God's church is valuable and necessary. That phrase, not make it any less a part of the body, it's used twice here to emphasize that no one should have a sense of inferiority or feel like they don't matter. God wants us to recognize that every single person matters within the body of Christ. I like how one commentator captured it. He said, the foot is jealous of the hand because he's covetous of the hand's prominence. And the hand is in the public and in the limelight, but the foot is confined inside a shoe. And yet the body would be in bad shape without a foot. Do you know that you use more than 200 different muscles to walk? Similarly, the ear feels inferior to the eye. The eye is out front, whereas the ear is to the side. No one ever talks about ears, he writes. Lovers stare into one another's eyes. They don't stare into one another's ears. That's probably a good thing, isn't it? Well, in order to make his point, Paul kind of pictures an absurd scenario in verse 17. He says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? You know, it would be pretty gross if your whole body were an eye. As I'm looking out here, I can just see just a bunch of eyeballs sitting there staring at me. We could see everything, but nobody could hear anything. Plus, we'd get stuff in our eye all the time, right, as we kind of rolled around on the floor. It'd be equally odd, though, if we were all ears. You see the absurdity that Paul's trying to make there? The smaller pieces in God's puzzle, the small pieces of the puzzle that God calls the church are just as important as the more visible ones. No one is inferior 
because everyone is indispensable. This church will never function as God intends if you and I don't fulfill our individual roles because God has created us to fit together and to care for one another. Let's look at a third principle, and that is that each piece is divinely designed and perfectly placed in the body. When we fully grasp this truth, that is when we will experience freedom and joy like we've never felt before. God made you just the way he wants you. Do you believe that? You have been designed to reflect his purposes. He has shaped you for spiritual significance. Now, I read that when a puzzle factory punches out the puzzle pieces by machine, that no one piece is exactly the same as any other. Your piece in the puzzle is unique within the body called the church. I want you to look at verse 18, where Paul says, But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. That word arranged means to set, to be perfectly placed. It's the same word that Jesus speaks in John 15, 16, when Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. There's the word, appointed you or arranged you that you should go out and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. You see, friends, we are not an accident because we are a part of God's sovereign placement, his careful arrangement within the body of Christ. Notice in in verse 18 that it says, each one of them, each one of them, none of us are disqualified because of something that we've done before we met Jesus or how inadequate we might feel or however inadequate the world might make us feel. We are not disqualified because we have been designed on purpose. We have a purpose, and that purpose is to find our place, which is our shape in the puzzle called the church. And once we discover our place, then it is time to plug in to the adventure that God desires for each of us. God has arranged the parts, every one of them, as he chose As he chose, God has placed you and he's placed me in the church for his delight, for his pleasure. And he doesn't make mistakes. That means when we question the size of our piece or the shape of our puzzle piece or the color of our piece or we compare our piece with others. You know what we're doing? We're disobeying God because God has made us the shape and the color and just the piece that he wants. But when we make a commitment to connect with Christ and connect with his people, that is when he is pleased beyond measure. God has created us to fit together and to care for one another. Now, Paul goes on to speak to those who who might tend towards superiority. That was a, a problem in the Corinthian church. In verses 19 through 21, he says, if all were a single member... Where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. 
The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the hand to the feet, I have no need of you. You see, we're not to demean our own gifts, nor are we to despise the gifts that other people might have. And so as you think about your portion of the puzzle, as you compare yourself with those around you, I hope that you'll quickly discover that you are designed differently than every other person you might meet. Every other person in the body of Christ is different from you. And that is a good thing. The shape of your piece and the location of where it fits into God's picture of the church is distinct and unique. I read a story about a ship's captain and his chief engineer. And they were constantly arguing about who was more important on the ship. Well, they never could agree. And so finally one day they decided to swap places. And so the chief engineer went up to the bridge and the captain went down into the engine room. Well, it wasn't more than a couple of hours later when the captain ran, ran up onto the bridge and he's covered in, in oil and he's sweating and he's wildly waving and a wrench around. And he says, chief, you have to come down to the engine room. I can't make her go. To which the chief replied, of course you can't, I've run her aground. <laughs> you see, each one of our contributions to the kingdom is unique. And your role is essential because each is divinely designed and perfectly placed into the body. But being unique or different doesn't mean deformed. And that's because we all need one another. God has designed us to be mutually dependent upon one another so that our strengths and our weaknesses can assist one another. The church at Corinth had a lot of issues. Pride was one of them being right at the top of the list. And in verses 22 through 24, Paul reminds them that every part of the body is important. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker, are indispensable. And so even those parts of our own bodies which are unpresentable are important. And that would refer to the body parts that we keep covered for reasons of modesty, which shows how important they are. Well, in a similar way, the pieces of the puzzle, the parts of the body of the church that are never seen, the people behind the scenes, the people that cut the grass, the people that pray, the people that give faithfully that no one ever knows about. They are very important to the health of the body. They're more important than the guy who stands up front and blabbers for 30 minutes every Sunday morning. <laughs> and that's because God has created us to fit together and to care for one another. Now I want to look at one more principle. Principle number four. Each piece is interconnected and independent. That almost sounds like a, an oxymoron, doesn't it? Interconnected and yet independent. The last part of verse 24 establishes the principle of interconnectedness. Your puzzle piece is designed to lock together with other piece, pieces around you in order to form the picture 
that God has designed for the church. It's God's desire for each member to intermingle and interlock with one another. Paul writes, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. The old King James translates the word composed with tempered together. It's a word that refers to the, the mixing or the commingling or the coalescing of two or more elements that become a compound. The, the most common one, I think, would be steel. Think about steel. Steel is an alloy of iron and carbon, but it also takes small amounts of other things, manganese and silicon and phosphorus and, and oxygen and sulfur. All of those things are brought together to create steel, which becomes the world's most important engineering and construction material. They are tempered together. They are brought together. They are composed. And that's what God does with the diversity of the church, all of us from different backgrounds, different experiences, different triumphs, different hurts, all of those things come together and they coalesce. And God mixes us together and he produces something that is strong, that is durable, that can build. That's his design for the church. I read a story about a poor family that couldn't afford a Christmas tree. And so they waited until Christmas Eve they went to the Christmas tree lot. They found one tree that looked okay on one side, but the, the back side was pretty bare. Then they found a, a second tree, and it was sort of full on one side, but really scraggly in the back. And so they took both the trees and the last $5 that they had, and they went up to the, the, the salesman at the, the Christmas tree farm or Christmas tree lot there, and they nervously offered $5 for these two trees. They were hoping that he would take the money. And he accepted because no one else was going to buy those two scraggly trees on Christmas Eve. Well, later that night, after he'd closed up the lot, the salesman was walking home, walking down the street, and he looked up into an apartment window where he saw a beautiful tree. And he recognized the family that had come and bought those two scraggly trees only hours before. He saw this beautiful tree, thick and well-rounded. And so he climbed the stairs and he knocked on the door. And he asked the family, how did you get such a beautiful tree? And the, the father invited him in. And he showed him how they had worked those two trees close together where the branches were thin and then they tied the trunks together. The branches overlapped and it formed a tree so thick you could no longer see that there were two. You see, brothers and sisters, when we are put together just right, a stunning makeover takes place. God is a master at decorating. He loves to take us, all of us, with our weaknesses and our flaws, our scraggly backsides, and he wants to bring us together and tie us together with other scraggly people in order to make the beautiful body of Christ. For better or for worse, we are stuck with one another because we are connected to one another. But this melding together of lives, this interconnectedness within the body of Christ, it provides some challenges for us. It pushes us 
to promote unity. According to the the front half of verse 25, God does this. He brings us together that there may be no division in the body. That phrase, no division, means no dissension or factions or schisms or tears. We're going to talk more about this next week when we focus on being united with one another. But Promoting unity is one of the challenges of a diverse group of people. And then the second challenge is this. The connectedness that God brings into the church pushes us to practice mutual care. Listen to the last part of verse 25. But that the members may have the same care for one another. That word, same care, it comes from the root of the word that is often translated to be anxious about, to have anxiety. In other words, that means that we should worry about the welfare of others ahead of our own cares. We are to be caring for one another. Verse 26 kind of fleshes it out. Paul says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, All rejoice together. You see, when someone in the body is hurting, we should rally together to help. I am thankful that this church is known as a caring community. Many of you can attest to the support that you've received during various times in need in your life. And that is how it ought to be. Well, finally, in verse 27... Paul provides a great summary statement. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. That's the reference written on the back of your puzzle piece. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. You see, this is not an optional add-on. It's not something that might happen later down the road. If you are saved... You are a part of the body of Christ right now. Whether you feel like it or not, whether you want to be or not, God has called you into the body of Christ. We do life together because we belong to one another. The word member means a portion or a piece. You are a necessary integral and valuable piece of the puzzle that God is putting together at Garden Way Church. How many of you enjoy putting together jigsaw puzzles? Raise your hand. I know there's a bunch of puzzlers in here. I I read an article about uh, how during the COVID pandemic that puzzling had a huge resurgence in the United States over the last two years. The largest puzzle manufacturer in the United States is now making two to three times more puzzles than they have ever made before. That's how popular puzzle, jigsaw puzzles are. And so I thought it might be helpful to just hear from some puzzle fans. So this past week, I I put a, a post on the church Facebook page, and I said, if you like jigsaw puzzles, putting them together, could you please share some tips and tricks? And I I got a number of of creative and interesting comments on the Facebook page. Some people emailed me. And and I'm going to share some of their insights about putting puzzles together. But the reason I did that is because I wanted to see if we could make some application. Some application from putting a puzzle together that applies to the puzzle or the picture or the body of Christ. 
And so, as I do, I want you to just glance at your puzzle piece from time to time, and I want you to think about how these unique pieces coming together form a picture of our key theme. Let's read this together. God has created us to fit together and to care for one another. So here's a few of the things people shared. One person said, study the picture on the box to see what you're creating. Well, that makes sense, right? That reminds me that we must keep God's purpose for the church in mind, right? Just like you have the picture on the front of your puzzle box, we want to think about what's God's purpose for the church and how does my piece fit in to that? Become familiar with what God is calling us to be. Consult him during the process that we call life. Another person suggested, dump the pieces out of the box. Well, that makes sense, I guess, right? Dump the pieces out of the box. And then that made me think, you know what? We'll never become what God wants us to be if we keep everything packaged up. And I think that's what a lot of people do in their life. They keep it all packaged up. And your puzzle is all in a box over here that belongs to you. Instead of dumping it out where the rest of us can help you to put that puzzle together. That's God's design for the church. And so dump it out of the box. Don't be afraid to do that. Here's another uh, application. Things look chaotic and messy at the beginning. Things look chaotic and messy at the beginning. One person wrote, the best thing is to keep it in the box because it's a chaotic mess. So that's kind of the opposite of the one before. Another person said, my trick is not to do them puzzles, that is. They're too confusing. And, and one person simply said, throw it away. I guess they're not a big puzzle fan. But all those comments just reminded me of this. Following Jesus is often messy. Isn't that true? Following Jesus can be messy. And that's why he calls us to do it together. Otherwise, we've got this big pile of pieces and it's just a mess and it's overwhelming that ever speak about your life? That's why God calls you into a community where we can help one another put the pieces together. Well, another person said, organize your pieces by shape type. I like that. Organize them by shape type. Find out how God has uniquely shaped you. Somebody wrote, odd shaped pieces are actually easier to work with. You ever feel like you're the odd shape piece? Yeah? God can actually work better with the odd shape piece. Odd shape pieces are unique. They're special. And they fit in just right. You ever fit that piece into the puzzle? That last piece that fit? Ah, just right. And you get that overwhelming sense of completion, contentment. That's what God wants for you in your life as you live it together in the community called the church. Another suggestion, find the four corner pieces. Yeah. Find the four corner pieces to start. You know, that reminds me then, in our spiritual life, it is very important to find out what is foundational and build off of it. And what's foundational for us folks is right here, God's word. Find the corner pieces and then start building your life from that. God provides you everything you need pertaining to life and godliness. Those are the corner pieces. Start there 
and start working your way in. And it will surprise you what God can do within the body of Christ. One common suggestion, several people mentioned this, was work on the outside border first. I guess finding all the edge pieces was what people meant. And so that reminded me then that we too must start with the borders which are found right here in God's word. You know, things work best in life if we stay within God's designed boundaries. Amen? When our boundaries are all wackadoodle and crazy, that's how our life turns out. But if we stay within God's design, he can put a beautiful picture together. One person wrote this, don't force a piece to fit if it doesn't. If you do, you will bend the corners and another piece will be prevented from taking its rightful place. Well, that's some, wise, some wisdom there. Don't force the piece in. Good advice. Pieces fit best where they belong. And friends, it is always best when you can find an area to serve within God's kingdom that's a good fit for you. By the way, if you need help doing that, we have resources, we have people within this church who would be privileged to sit down and pray with you and talk with you and help you explore how you might best fit in to the body of Christ. I like this person. They said... Uh, I think they're trying to be witty here. They said, buy a, a puzzle with only 10 pieces. <laughs> that was Carol Wheeler that wrote that. Where are you, Carol? <laughs> there she is. <laughs> Smart Alec. But you know, that made me think, it made me think it's important to start small and build over time. Don't buy the 5,000-piece one to start with, all right? Start with something smaller. Work on your skills and abilities and work up to the big stuff. Here's another one. Work on one piece at a time. Work on one piece at a time. And that just made me think of this. Do the next right thing in front of you. You know, if, if you're struggling with what to do in life, do the next right thing. So often we're thinking about 20 steps down. Well, what about this? What about that? What if this happens? What is that? And we drive ourselves crazy. Sometimes we just need to back up and just do one piece at a time. The next right thing. And sometimes the next right thing is just in the moment, in this minute, in this hour, in this day. What is the next right thing? One piece at a time. And then finally, this piece of advice, keep referring back to the big picture. Friends, we must keep our eyes focused on what God is building. Not what we desire, not our hopes and our preferences and our ideas, but what is it that God is doing? Keep your eyes focused on what God is building because then you will have definite direction. Because he's the one that designed the puzzle, the body, the picture. Several centuries ago, in a mountain village in Europe, a wealthy man wanted to leave a legacy to the people of his town. And so he decided to construct a beautiful church building. And when it was finished, the people marveled at the completeness, the complexity of this beautiful structure in their town. The man had thought of everything. And then someone asked, 
Where are the lamps? How will it be bright enough in here to have church services? And as he was giving the tour, the nobleman pointed to some brackets on the wall. And then he presented each family from the village a lamp, and he said, each time you are here, the area where you you are seated will be well lit. Each time you are not here, your area will be dark. This is to remind you that whenever you fail to come into fellowship with God's people, some part of God's house will remain dark. You see, friends, God has placed you in a strategic piece of his puzzle of kingdom work. You are an important part of the mission and the ministry of this local church because God has created us to fit together and to care for one another. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your plan and your purpose. And Lord, we are thankful that you have invited us out of the darkness of this world. And Father, you have fitted us perfectly into your kingdom of light and joy and beauty and purpose. Father, thank you for the hope we have in Jesus. Father, we pray that you will help each of us to discover how we best might fit into your perfect plan. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to share together in the communion, the Lord's Supper, in just a moment. And you know, the the greatest thing of all that connects us is the blood of Jesus. When he is our Lord, we are blood relatives. You understand that? Jesus desires that his church, his body, his family, his puzzle would represent him well in this world. And so one of the things that he's done is he's created this simple supper, a simple meal in which we might come together in commonness, in communion, to remember what it is that brings us together, the blood of Jesus. And so in a moment when the music plays, we're going to invite you to make your way to one of the four stations, two at the back, two at the front, and you can... Take the the bread and the cup there, or you can carry it back to your seat and just have some quiet meditation time. I want to encourage you just to make this a time of worship. You don't have to rush through this at all. If it's difficult for you to make your way to one of the tables, simply raise your hand. We have some folks in the back that will come and, and serve you right where you are. I also want to encourage you during this time that if you need somebody to pray for you, if you need someone to help you to prayerfully think about how you might fit in better in this local church, then some of our elders are going to be in the prayer corner. I encourage you to make your way back there. They'll be there towards the end of the communion time and into the worship time. They'll be there just to, to receive you and pray with you and counsel you. And so I encourage you to, to not leave the building today if you're not quite sure how you can take a next step at fitting in to God's puzzle that we call Garden Way Church. Let's worship together in the communion time.